Impact of Influence, the tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths that they are linked to. Hello, everyone, and thank you for your continued support of this podcast. The little project we thought was going to be just for friends and family has exploded, and we are nothing but grateful for you and the words that you give us of love and the corrections that we need at times when we either misspeak or mispronounce names or streets or whatever the case may be. I am Matt Harris and my co-host Seton Tucker. And coming up in this podcast, in just a few seconds, we're going to talk to the attorney of Gloria Satterfield's sons. Gloria Satterfield died in 2018 with a fall on Alec Murdoch's property. Alec has said that dogs tripped her down the steps and then she died. There's a question about where that money went, so we're going to talk to him. And Gloria Satterfield's case has been reopened by SLED. They are opening a criminal probe into the death of the Murdoch's housekeeper in 2018. She spent a couple decades working for the family. Trip and fall accident is what was reported. Now, SLED said they have opened the case to request the Hampton County coroner, and the coroner found inconsistencies with Satterfield's stated manner of death as far as calling it natural on the death certificate. And the descendant's death was not reported to the coroner at the time, nor was an autopsy performed, the coroner's request to SLED said. That's huge. So if you want to recap a little bit, Stephen Smith case reopened after the death of Paul and Maggie, the murders of those two. And now Gloria Satterfield's case has been reopened. And we'll get to the attorney in a second. Also, after we talk to Gloria's son's attorneys, uh, Seton, what do we have? Well, we had bond hearings for Curtis Edward Smith happen just yesterday. And also Alec was charged and his bond hearing was also held yesterday. Okay, we'll get to that on our thoughts, but first let's uh, talk to the Satterfield family attorney. Uh, So with us is uh, Eric Bland uh, from Bland Richter, and Eric, welcome to our uh, podcast. It's so uh, nice of you to take time out because I'm sure you're pretty busy. Uh, So you are representing the trust uh, and the family of Gloria Satterfield. So how, how did this fall into your lap? How did you find out about this? Well, my partner and I, um, a significant portion of our practice is legal malpractice. We we sue attorneys and uh, represent uh, clients who have been victimized by attorneys and handle certain grievances against attorneys for clients and sometimes represent attorneys. It's not, not a popular thing to do, lawyers suing other lawyers, and especially in a small state like South Carolina, where I came from in Pennsylvania, it's a little more accepted but um when we started doing it in the early 2000s it was virtually unheard of uh and then we got a couple uh multi-million dollar settlements and then we got the largest jury verdict in a legal malpractice case in 2006 for 5.5 million and it just became i don't know whether more accepted but attorneys that would turn down legal malpractice cases or tell their clients that they didn't have anything with would refer them to us. And most of our work comes from other lawyers who see the malpractice but don't want to bring it because either they know the other party or it's just too hot of an issue. And in this particular case, our clients 
uh, and one of their family members finally had enough of the arms and elbows that they were getting and no answers uh, regarding what happened to the claims that were being brought on behalf of their mother after they read about them in the newspaper, not that they were told about them, but they read about them in the newspaper, that they finally had the courage to go to an attorney. You know, when you think about it, it it took a tremendous amount of courage for these two young boys to actually go to a lawyer to question what the Murdochs had done and what their own lawyer, Corey Fleming, had done to them or for them. Um, You know, one, there was the family relationship that these boys had with uh, the Murdochs and Mr. Murdoch, Alex Murdoch. Uh, But two, in that small town, you know, to go to a lawyer to question the Murdochs, you know, lawyers are obviously are bound by attorney client privilege, but you know, they had to think in the back of their head, is somebody going to call up Alex Murdoch and say, Hey, these boys are questioning what's going on with uh, claims that were made in connection with their mother's estate. Right. So they go see this lawyer and the lawyer hears this and, you know, knows that, there was an article about that there had been a settlement of at least $505,000 and that boys look at him and say, we haven't gotten one dime. And that settlement took place in 2018. You know, God bless the lawyer had enough courage to say, Hey, you guys need to call Eric Bland. And, uh, that's how it got started last week. Oh, wow. So how do you, can you tell us, um, how your clients actually originally went to Mr. Fleming as their attorney? Well, that was a, a complete handoff by Alec Murdoch, and that's kind of what started, I guess, of Wednesday this week after we filed our lawsuit, why SLED decided to reopen the death of uh, Gloria Satterfield. Um, the only person that gave an explanation for how she fell was Alex Murdoch, because mm-hmm. after she fell down the stairs, she had a closed head injury. She never really regained consciousness, so she wasn't able to communicate on the, the next three weeks before she died and explain how the fall happened or confirm. So what happened is at the funeral, um, Mr. Murdoch came up to the two boys and said, hey, I'm going to um, I think you need to go see this attorney named Corey Fleming. And he's going to represent you and have claims brought against me in connection with your mother's death. And then I'm going to hopefully he'll recover money and it'll go to you guys. And he didn't tell the boys that Corey Fleming was his best friend. Corey Fleming um, was his college roommate. That Corey Fleming was the godfather of Paul Murdoch. And that um, he had actually worked with Corey Fleming before he worked at the Murdoch firm, at Corey Fleming's firm. And so our kids go to see uh, this Corey Fleming. And Corey Fleming says, yeah, what we're going to do is I'm going to make these claims against Alex. And he's already admitted that he's responsible for your mother falling down the stairs because the dogs tripped her, which puts the insurance companies of Alex in a real tough position because... You know, just because somebody dies on your property doesn't mean that you're liable. Right. But now you have the insured, Alex, saying it was my fault. Huh. If that was in front of a Hampton County jury, you know, somebody would light up the jury with a huge verdict. And so all these settlements were coming in. The real 
a real smart thing that they did was somehow they convinced the kids that the personal representative should be Chad Westendorf at the bank. Because by having Chad Westendorf be the personal representative, that means that Corey Fleming doesn't have to communicate with the heirs, with my clients. His only client is the personal representative. And so no notices need to be sent to the boys. No, uh, they don't have to show up for any court hearing. They don't have to be advised of when there were settlements. Those duties belong to the personal representative. Remember, the personal representative, in addition to owing fiduciary duties, to the clients, my clients, my kids, he's an officer of the court. And so he has to file accountings and inventory of estate assets. And the most amazing thing is that almost $4 million now of settlements have taken place. And there isn't one single court order as required by South Carolina law signed by a judge, which provides for these settlements. Remember, under South Carolina law, a judge has to inquire in open court, is the settlement of this case with this carrier in the best interest of the the estate? Um, He has to ask the beneficiaries, are you satisfied with the services of your attorney? Has everything been explained to you? Are you doing this under duress? Do you understand you're waiving your right to a jury trial? Do you understand that If you take this money, you're going to release certain insurance companies. All those things have to be asked and they have to be part of an order. Because in this case, $475,000 of this was a wrongful death claim that would go directly, presumably, to the kids. But $25,000 was a survival claim, which has to be through the court because that's the survival claim belonging to... Gloria herself for surviving three weeks after the negligence of somebody else. And that money never went through the probate court. How does that happen? I mean, how, how do you suspect or anything how that, how does that happen? Because they've got, are the are, are judges, or is there someone in the know, uh, a judge or whoever? I think it's all going to come out okay. on how this happened, how judges were able to somehow give approval and not have it part of the court record and, that there were no orders written. Um, and I think you're going to learn how um, Corey Fleming wrote checks to a company named Forge. And the, there is a company called Forge Consulting, which does structured settlements. A structured settlement is, let's say I get $100,000 for a minor client. Well, you you don't want to give, I mean, a million dollars. You don't want to give a million dollars to a young kid. And so what you do is you buy an annuity and you structure the payments of that over time. So out over a course of 15 years, that $1 million can turn into $2.5 million. And it's paid out as the minor reaches a certain age. And so he wrote a check to Forge, which um, is not Forge Consulting, which was evidently a non-existent company Al Murdoch opened up a bank account in Bank of America got the check and deposited and and after the attorney's fees was paid to Corey Fleming presumably the rest of the money went to Alec Murdoch holy moly was it just 500,000 or was it more than that 4 million 4 million Yes. Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up some international trip where you want to 
be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. So instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories, you participate in dialogues, so you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there. They've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now, and you never have to pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. That is, uh, had you heard of the Murdoch family prior to this? Oh, sure. Okay. Absolutely. So, every, I mean, everybody in, in the low country and in South Carolina knows the power of, of the Murdoch family, 80-some years doing their solicitor job. And the, and the It's not so much the Murdoch family, but it's the Parker Law Firm. Um, you know, they're responsible for the venue law being changed in our state. Do you know that? Yeah, we did. We actually did a whole... When we were talking about the history of the Murdoch family, we talked a little bit about that. That is where you can sue um, as long as you have a presence. Yeah. If the train tracks ran through Hampton County, if there was a train wreck in Greenville or Anderson, you could sue in Hampton County. And you know, the Parker Law Firm, and there's some great lawyers there. I mean, Johnny Parker, Mark Ball, Ronnie Crosby, incredible lawyers, incredible trial lawyers. And so what the firm did, which was smart, is they really engrafted themselves into the community by, you know, doing pig pickings, you know, paying for funerals, sponsoring little league teams so that, you know, when the jurors were picked and they looked up and there was a Murdoch lawyer there, um, they were predisposed to their clients. And there was some very large jury verdicts coming out of that county through the 80s and 90s and finally the defendants wised up and they would just settle the case rather than give it to Johnny Parker to go before the jury and then get lit up for 15, 20 million dollars. Yeah. And so what everybody was doing was if I had a, uh, a case against Piggly Wiggly, if, you know, a, a shelf fell on somebody or whatever, because there was a Piggly Wiggly in Hampton County, I would associate that firm. And then immediately the defense attorney that would pay because they were not going to go in front of that jury there. And they certainly weren't going to go in front of that jury with Perry Buckner being the judge. Wow. And that's why they say Walmart wasn't built there. And um, I know some people have a McDonald's there uh, and they wanted to get out because they were a little worried about that. Um, You mentioned the judge. What is, is this because why did you bring his name up particularly? Well, he was, supposedly one of the judges that approved one of the settlements in this case, but he is, uh, that's his home circuit. And, uh, you know, the Murdoch firm appears before him every single day. Yeah. Do you think, so you think that there's going to be, um, 
a lot of like dominoes falling here that it's going to be multiple. I think at the end of this, I think my client's case is the epicenter of all of this because of the amount of money, you know, Al Capone didn't get convicted and go to jail because of all his killings. Yeah. It was income tax evasion. And I think this is the case that's going to take everybody down in Alucard because you're talking about multi-million dollars, breach of trust, um, kind of polluting the justice system and how these settlements were approved. And I think at the end of the day, uh, lawyers are going to be disbarred. I think um, it's going to have to ask some hard questions about judges who were involved in the approval of the settlement of these cases, the probate court, why they didn't keep up with these settlements. Um, and certainly your clients can't be the only ones. I mean, this is, I can't imagine this is a one shot deal. Now, you don't, I don't think you uh, wake up at 52 years old or 50 years old and decide you're going to do this, but I have no knowledge that right. this would have been done well, with anybody else. It wouldn't surprise me, but right. I certainly don't have any knowledge. Can you tell me a little bit about um, what your clients were told about what happened in the accident? Well, I don't want to uh, reveal attorney-client privilege that oh. I've had with them, but other than they... Their knowledge is what Alec has publicly said, that their mother, you know, there's no video. There was no witnesses. You know, it's only Alec saying that, you know, sadly, you know, it was caused by our dogs. Okay. How long was she employed by the Murdoch family? I think over 23 or 24 years. And and what, was she housekeeper or a nanny or? Jack of all. Yeah. How old were the kids when she passed? In their late 20s. Yeah. Wow. Um. I think it's a impressive what you're doing. I know that uh, taking on that family or taking on, not necessarily that family, I shouldn't say that, taking on the the law practice uh, that involves Murdoch's is daunting. So uh, good for you, and I hope you find justice. I appreciate it. I mean, look, we've sued the largest law firms in the world, you know, uh, Baker McKenzie, we've sued... You know, Motley Rice, Nexon Pruitt, Nelson Mullins in this state. You know, lawyers, no matter who they are, put on their pants the same way, pull them up and tie their shoes. They don't deserve any special dispensation. You know, lawyers certainly don't have a problem suing doctors, bankers, insurance people. We shouldn't have a problem suing each other. And one, one would argue that should be even a, a higher, uh, you know, level of trust in lawyers. Sure. Uh, when well, we're, we're, self, we're a self-policing profession. We're supposed to police ourselves, and we're doing a poor job of it. And what really does bother me is that with conduct like Corey Fleming and, and Murdoch in this matter, it pollutes all lawyers, and we don't deserve that broad brush because there, there are great lawyers. That firm, that Murdoch firm, has done some incredibly excellent work for just plaintiffs. Really good work. And uh, it's, it's sad that the actions of uh, Alec Murdoch, I think, going to tarnish that firm for many years to come. Uh, yes, and we just we have uh, an attorney on from Cornell Law School who was talking about uh, death penalties. About I think eight or nine overturned uh, back in the uh, '60s and '70s that the, that uh, Randolph Murdoch II had uh, put on death row. So that's been a long history of some things going on there. Thank you very much. All right, I'll see you. That was great. That was a great. Uh, interview and i my one of my takeaways from there is that 
we have been saying for weeks about tentacles. I kept referring to them as tentacles. And I think that judges, possibly judges going down, who knows if there's law enforcement involved, where all this reaches. Corey Fleming is really, I mean, he's he's in some hot water. Because people are, and who's going to sing, right? There's going to be people singing uh, and, and, and saying, okay, don't, I'll, I'll give you this name or that name or this name or that name. There's going to be wheeling and dealing going, I would imagine. And I would imagine that a lot of folks in that region are shaking right now. Maybe not even that region. Maybe all the way up to the state level in South Carolina. Yeah, this definitely. is big time. So let's go back to what we uh, started the the day with talking about the hearings and the bond hearings of uh, Eddie and Alec. So what happened? So I watched both of these yesterday, and the first was Curtis Edward Smith and. He came in. He did not have a lawyer with him. He looked extremely disheveled. Mm-hmm. He was shaking, um, almost, I, I don't know if he was nervous or maybe some sort of withdrawal symptoms, but he definitely... Wasn't looking too good. Was not looking good. And he was charged with assault and battery of a higher and aggravated nature, which the bond for that was 20000 assisted suicide, that was 15000 Insurance fraud five and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud five and pointing and presenting a firearm another five thousand. So that was a total bond set at fifty five thousand. And actually, thanks to my web sleuth friend Molly Molly, she sent me the information that he was uh, actually released on bond. So he did post bond. So he is out. Gotcha. And then later in the day, Alec was charged with insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and filing a false police report. He was arrived at the court. He was chained, and he had a tan jumpsuit, which was definitely different than how Paul, his son, arrived at the courthouse when he was arraigned. I think if, if you don't know, that was one of the controversies when Paul Mur- Murdoch, who has since been murdered, was indicted on charge of boating under the influence that killed Mallory Beach. One of the controversies was that he was his, his mugshot is him and I think it's a uh, it's a collared shirt. Yeah, it's a like, nice looking yes. plaid shirt. And that, it wasn't even in a like a uh, what you would imagine a mugshot to he be. He wasn't in the jumpsuit right. like Alec was. Yes. And Alec in his mugshot is wearing the jumpsuit. Well they weren't gonna make that mistake again. And so in his mugshot you get to see the front of his head and then during the uh during the bond hearing, you could see the back of his head, and at no time did I see anything that looked like a head wound. There were no shaved parts. No band-aids, nothing. No band-aids, nothing. No, you know, if he'd received some stitches, nothing to indicate that. And you would kind of suspect if you had been shot in the head. And it was as bad as uh, his lawyer, Dick Arputlian, had said, which was there was an entry and exit wound. You would have to assume that. Right. I'm, I'm, I haven't been shot in the head before, but I'm guessing you might need a Band-Aid or something. No. I, 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 would, I would think while. that you would have some sort of evidence yes. of, of that. Now, his, the prosecutor asked for his bail to be set at 100000 and the judge actually uh, granted $20,000 um, personal recognizance bond and allowed him to go to rehab out of state. Now, his lawyer did say the rehab he was at, I think he was in the detox program, did not have a bed. So he's at a different rehab facility than the first location he was. Um, He was also required to surrender his passport, uh, sign a waiver of extradition since he's going to be at an out-of-state facility. 
the prosecutor asked for him to be wearing a GPS, but the judge did not require that. However, she did say that if he did leave the rehab without permission, that his bond would be revoked and she would issue a warrant for his arrest. I'm guessing the, the GPS, the reasoning for the GPS might be, since he's going to a rehab facility, that's very private. The court probably may respect that regardless of the charges. And, you know, the charges of Alec aren't the kind of charge. They're not anything violent. They're not, uh, I'll say for against himself. Right. And that, so one, a- people were really upset that Smith's uh, bond was set much higher than Alex Bond, but he had some violent stuff pointing and presenting a firearm, you know, assisted suicide, assault and battery. So Alec was not charged with any of those things. So it does seem to make sense that his bond would be lower. Um, He also, his lawyer, Dick Harputlian, said that he was totally cooperating with SLED. He did appear to kind of be crying a little bit. bit. You couldn't see the front of his face, but it looked like uh, Harputlian was... Comforting him. Yes. He also says that, Harpoot Land says that his, he had a 20-year drug addiction and, you know, talks about his financial situation and says that he's not a man of significant means anymore and that his financial situation is not good. Right. That, which is amazing if you think about the fact that he uh, has been taking funds for a long time and multi-million dollar funds. Um, now, granted, he spent a lot on drugs from what Dick Arputlian says. But, I mean, I still think if you had that sort of level, I mean, I don't think it's possible to still be alive and spend that much. The amount, the alleged amount of money that's missing. Multi-millions. Multi-millions of dollars. I don't think it's possible to be alive. And as far as we know, he didn't have massive prop. I mean, a lot of properties. He had the hunting uh, Moselle property in the name of uh, his, his late wife. And they had the beach house in Edisto. Uh, Which are both, the Smith family has filed positions to make sure that they, oh, beach, sorry. Beach family. Beach. Yeah, Mallory Beach's family. Make yes. sure that they don't do anything with those properties in case they, they get money in the civil suit. Right. But now he's saying he has no money. So I don't know. And people are questioning how he had a $10 million life insurance policy if he didn't have any assets two years ago. I think it was two years ago, right, when he took out this life insurance policy. Well, and that, I think shortly before or after that, I'd have to look back, but they did sell their house in Hampton Proper, so maybe he filed that before. Yeah, the Hampton I don't... Proper house just was sold, yes. Uh, so a lot's shaking and bacon and things are coming out, and uh, still we remember, of course, that there's a lot of tragedy and sadness around this. It uh, has involved five deaths, and we hope that each and every one of those people gets justice. Thank you again for being here. Now, we have been not making money off this podcast, and we don't really need to... But there is a place to donate. You can go on the show notes, and there will be a place there you can go and uh, donate so we can keep doing this because we actually are paying to get it done, <laughs> paying our, our studio and our man Dwayne over there. So uh, if you hit that uh, button, you like what you're hearing, throw us 5 or 10 bucks. We might be able to pay for this one session. <laughs> Thanks again for being here. Maybe rate, rate, rate the podcast, please. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. My name is Bill Huffman. And I am a former Cleveland news producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mihaljevic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. 
I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S.